We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Good evening, everyone. If you'll open up with me to the book of Matthew. Welcome you here, those that are watching online. It's our prayer that you are headed into the greatest Christmas season with you and your family, your churches around the country and here at Denton Bible that, that you've ever had. Christmas is a time to love. That was a song that when our little ones were young, the church where we were at, we sang that often at Christmas time. It shouldn't be only at Christmas time, it's a time to love. And um, I'm reminded that Christmas is not just a day or a week or a season. Uh, I'm all this last year in a Bible study that on Wednesday morning with the men right here in this room, a fine, fine group of men. I sent emails out all year long, and I told them I was going to remind them that Christmas is just not a year. So every few uh, weeks or so, I would put uh, P-O-E-G-W-T-M. And so most of the guys that were had been in the study knew exactly what I was talking about, but every now and then I'd get an email back from a new person that started coming, and I would say, Oh, thank you for uh, putting me on the list. I'm glad to get your emails. I sure have been enjoying the Bible study, but I just got a question to ask. What does that P-O in those letters mean? And, and it meant peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And I try, I've kept that in front of their eyes all this year because I wanted to keep it in front of my eyes. That's what Christ came for. He will bring ultimate peace one day, and it will be forever. And it'll be here on this earth, and then it'll be in a new kingdom, a heavenly kingdom that he's preparing for us. There will be those that, that will continually show goodwill toward men. When we see and we hear things that have happened in our, uh, our newscasts in the last few days, aren't you just, aren't you just uh, sad that we live in a world that uh, evil still abounds? And it's not as bad as it could be, but it's getting close. And we see trouble everywhere. We see violence and corruption. We're not as bad as it could be in Genesis in the beginning uh, we, we saw the people get so corrupt that God's word tells us there were only thoughts of evil continually. There was much, the, the earth was filled with violence and corruption and God said, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy the world. And he found one man, found grace in his eyes, Noah, and he saved his family. So we're not there yet, but we're headed that direction. But at the same time, there's so many good things happening. And I was reminded, uh, this week that a few years ago I had a couple of friend of mine that I went to, friends of mine that I went to school with for most of my school years, uh, one of them, all of them, and they were brutally attacked and killed by their drug addict son, and it was just a sad, sad thing. And we had uh, many, many of our schoolmates come back to uh, town during that week and attend the funeral, and, and I went back to see if I could minister and pray with people. And, and I wrote some things and put that out there. And one of the things that really came strong in my heart was, do not let this tragedy, which we weep over and we hurt, do not let that rob you of the joy of Christmas because it's about this time. The love of Christ is the strongest power in the force, of the, uh, force in the universe. The love of Christ is stronger than any evil the enemy can do. And we shouldn't, as bad as it gets or the struggles that we go through, we shouldn't realize that God can give us strength for the good to win. The good is going to win. And that's what Christmas is all about. He came down to us, I shared with you. He came to our house. Aaron, what if I told you, could I come to your house tonight? Now, she's probably, a, you know, is saying, sure, I'd just love for you to come. I know what my wife would be thinking. What in the world did you invite someone without telling me? And I've got to get this ready and this and this. And, but that's what Jesus did. He came to our house so that we could go to his house. Tonight I told you, or I sent it out to you uh, last week, that I want to talk to you about the cast of characters of the Christmas story. You probably heard uh, that before, but I want, to, I want to jump into that a little bit in the, the Gospel of Matthew. The Christmas story is recorded in Matthew and Luke. It's talked about it. In the Old Testament in Isaiah, it's talked about in Galatians, different places. And uh, probably in the classes you attend, the other uh, Bible studies you attend, you'll be reading the Christmas story in different ways. But I want to talk to you about this list of people and see who all was there. At Easter time, an old hymn from a long time ago, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And we realized that we were there in a sense because it was our sin that put Christ on the cross. 
Well, were you there that first Christmas? Let's see who was. I want to give you a list real quickly. I won't read through the first of uh, Matthew, the genealogy there, that list of things. Um, but we'll begin as where Jordan read in the, the verse 18 about the birth of Jesus here in just a moment. Let me give you a list of who we're going to talk about. Most of these are in Matthew. Some of them appear in Luke. There's going to be a, a, a king named Herod. Herod is not a Jewish king. He's an Edomite uh, from the land of Edom. Edom is Esau. You remember Jacob and Esau, so he came through that line. He is uh, hired by the Romans, and uh, he is a cruel, cruel uh, king. He did a lot of things uh, structurally-wise. He, he built a lot of things in Jerusalem that are still standing today. He had them built. You can tell Herod's architecture because it's clean, it's got straight lines and it's plumb. And, and he did a lot of work in the land of Israel, but he also was very, very cruel. And so King Herod is there. Uh, we're going to see an angel of the Lord that shows up. Certainly Gabriel that speaks to Mary, Joseph. The Holy Spirit's in this story. Caesar Augustus uh, and, and uh, Quirinius or Serenius, which... Uh, what version you're reading out of, they show up in Luke. There's going to be shepherds, uh, heavenly hosts, going to be angels that are singing and proclaiming things. Uh, there's going to be uh, the magi, the wise men, those that came from the east of Jerusalem. There are going to be chief priests and scribes. There's going to be some murdered babies. There's going to be Herod's son, Archelaus, talked about, and later in the story, not tonight, but there'll be Simeon, Anna in the temple. And it talks about his people, God's people, and all Jerusalem. So if you study Matthew and Luke in the story of, in the Gospels of the Christmas story, that's the cast of characters. Every movie, every story has a protagonist, somebody that is the hero. And of course, the hero of the story is Jesus. He is the one that's come. Uh, I heard a song from years back, and this lady was singing, Where's the line for Jesus? A little girl goes to the mall and they see all the line to sit on uh, Santa Claus's lap and, and to go get a present from him. And the little girl asks, where's the line for Jesus? Makes you think, doesn't it? Because the party's for him. Christmas is about Christ. And the world will always try to replace that and to alter it in some ways. I believe every gift that you receive this Christmas time or you give ought to be and is a symbol of the gift of God's love for you and me. For God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave his son Jesus. So when you wrap that gift, uh, I am the worst gift giver in the world, by the way. If there's any other men here tonight that you think you own that title, I want to challenge you. Let's hear swap stories just a little bit. I am the worst. Um, I try to buy gifts. We have four, three or four birthdays here in December also. My sister's born on Christmas Day. My daughter's is tomorrow and my wife's and her twin sister. We got all kinds of birthdays and things. I thought I had an in. I thought I had it made because my wife is a twin, an identical twin. So that twin knows what size clothes she wears and what her style is. And So for years, I just said, would you help me out? All she did was turn around and call my wife and say, what do you want? I can get this fixed up for you. You know, be nice to me and I'll get your husband to buy you what, what you asked for. So I really try to find something else. But anytime that I give a gift, and I ask my children, I ask them for a gift. I ask it almost every year. I said, write me a letter. Write me a letter from your heart and that'll be a gift to me. And uh, So maybe they'll do that this year. But every gift we give should be because of the gift of Jesus. Quite a cast of characters. Jesus is the protagonist. There's several antagonists. The bad guys, Herod, Caesar, Archelaus. There's one that's not mentioned in here, but I was uh, at the, in Branson, uh, Missouri. I, I'll always give a plug for Branson. They're not afraid to fly the flag in Branson. They love our veterans, and I'm, I, I love that. And they're not afraid to mention Jesus' name in Branson, Missouri. So uh, I support that town. And I was there watching it at uh, Sight and Sound Theater, and it was the story of Jesus, and it was a phenomenal uh, musical that they did. They do that every year, uh, different ones. It was great. And at the time, it was the story of Christmas. 
this particular year. And at the time that Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus were in the manger, you got all the animals and you've got angels that are flying above it. Uh, you see an angel that is brighter than most and bigger, and, and it looks like it would be representation of Michael the archangel. And right at the moment when Christ was born, in came flying in above that another angel, a dark angel that, that was portraying uh, who Satan would have been. And I'd never really thought about that before. Don't you know Satan was there? He would have wanted to stop this baby from being born at all costs. He's coming to pay the price for the sin of mankind and to seal Satan's fate to an eternal damnation. He would want to stop this baby from being born any way that he could. And above that manger, as you see that, Satan flies over like he's going to be able to do something. And Michael, the powerful angel with his sword, instantly slays him and he disappears into the darkness. Satan's in this cast of characters. And there's also some that I'll talk to you about at the end tonight that aren't named in the scripture. Look with me there in the verses that were read to us. Verse 18, please. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph because they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, there's a few things we need to talk about in those words right there. Uh, first of all, Jesus' mother is Mary. She is a chosen woman. If you were a Jewish girl at that time, you would have grown up wondering and praying and thinking of it. Your family, your mom would have talk to you. Maybe you'll be the mom to the Messiah. The Messiah is coming, and maybe you'll be the chosen one that God chooses to be the mother of the Messiah to come. Mary hears that great message from Gabriel, the angel, that she is chosen. Mary is so humble and grateful. Mary's a special person. We don't know how old she was, probably very young, and yet even at the, the message from Gabriel that was like no one else had ever heard before, she said, be it done unto me according to your word. I'm your handmaiden, God. Whatever you say, I say yes. Then there was Joseph. We don't know a lot about Joseph. We think of him as a carpenter. He was probably just an average Joe. Sorry. Uh, he was probably just an average guy that, you know, not famous, not wealthy. Uh, when they came and gave uh, pigeons and turtle doves, for sacrifice in the temple it was probably because they couldn't afford something larger and that was the allowance of someone who was, was poor at the time. Joseph is not mentioned much in the scripture later on. He's certainly not around at the cross of Christ when Jesus died. Mary, his mother's there. Joseph is probably long gone. Joseph was a chosen instrument of God too to be the earthly dad to raise up this child which would be the son of God. But let's just jump back in time just a little bit. And you think of yourself, lady, as Mary, and I'll think of myself as Joseph. And let's think about that conversation. Mary and Joseph are out on a date. Sure do like you. I think you're cute. Uh, you want to go out sometime? Maybe, yes, we'll eat together. We'll, we'll come and visit. And, hey, your dad knows my dad. And do you think there ever could be? There possibly there could be. If you're interested, I'm interested, and maybe we could talk to our parents because it was, it's not like the, the marriages we have today. Marriages we have today in America are a little bit different. In a Jewish marriage, it was actually a contract between families. It was the dads that would get together. They would make an agreement, a contract. The, the groom would sign a literal, literal contract. He was going to give a certain amount of money as a bride price so that he would have the opportunity to Mary, the daughter of this man. There's three different uh, parts of a Jewish marriage, not like we have today. There's a, the contract that I've mentioned. There is the consummation. That's when the, time, the, the, the husband and wife are together physically. And then there's a celebration. When the contract is signed in a Jewish marriage, they are married. They are married at that time. But they cannot be together as husband and wife. They cannot be intimate for at least a year most of the time. 
So in the scripture, when you read this, especially in the Christmas story, when it says, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife. The Holy Spirit's not confused on the date of the wedding. The Holy Spirit knows they're already married according to Jewish law, but they have not slept together. They've not been intimate and they will not be until a certain time agreed upon the consummation of the married marriage. And then after that will be the celebration where the families get together and rejoice that the marriage is complete. Mary, sure do love you. Joseph, I love you too. Isn't it great that our dad said we could get married? Hey, you've already signed the contract. We've got a life ahead that's going to be great. Oh, Joseph, I need to talk to you. I've mentioned to you before here, probably last Christmas time, if you're a young girl, young lady that's about to get married, isn't it wonderful to have older ladies in your life that you can go to and talk to? If you don't have that, let us connect you here tonight because you need that. Me in the same way, we need Pauls in our life. Would you agree? I need an older man that's a dad in the faith that won't coddle me, that'll tell me the truth, but who would, who would go to battle with me? I need Paul and you ladies need an Esther or a Ruth. You need somebody. And you need to be that to others. Can you imagine Mary going to her mama? Mama, I've got to talk to you. I've got to tell you something. I love Joseph and we're about to be married. I know you're about to be married. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm thinking of a fiddler on the roof right now, the way they talk. I can't help it. The matchmaker has come and, ah, oh, you're going to be married. But I've got to tell you something, mother. I'm pregnant. You're what? What would Mary's mom and dad think? Exactly what you and I would think. Mary, you and Joseph have been unfaithful. She'd be wrong. Mary said, no, we have not been together outside. In fact, do you know that during this time in, in Judaism and in, in Jerusalem, that almost all of these young ladies would be a virgin? We're going to talk about the very Greek word that's used in a moment. Uh, used six different times in the scripture, always referring to virgin. Some translations change it to damsel. That's another word. They were virgins uh, because if on the wedding night, the husband found out that his wife was not a virgin, he could proclaim that, make it known, and she could be executed. That's how serious it was. A death sentence for lying about her faithfulness. So Mary goes to her mom and dad. I'm pregnant. What do you think Mary's dad thought? The same thing you and I would think. But then she tells more of the story. I had a visit from an angel, mom. His name was Gabriel. And he said that I'm the one. I'm the one that we've all been waiting for, that God's going to let me bear the Messiah, the Christ child, Oh, I don't know what that conversation was like. And I'm not trying to read into the scripture, but can you imagine the heart of Mary's mom and the convincing of her dad that that's exactly what's happened? What a joy it must have been for them to realize that she really is the chosen one. Mary comes to Joseph. Hey, Joseph, I sure do love you, but we need to talk. I want to tell you something, Joseph. I'm pregnant. You're what? Now, what would he think? Exactly what you and I would think. You've been unfaithful. He knew they hadn't been together. You've been unfaithful against me. And then he hears those words, no, I haven't. The Holy Spirit has overshadowed me in a miraculous way like no other woman's ever known before. And God is going to bear through me the Christ child who will be all man and all God. What do you think Joseph was thinking? They had no place to go and say, well, th when this happened to you, what'd you do? They're the first. Can you imagine Joseph going back to his mom and dad? Mom and dad, I sure do love Mary. Daddy, I thank you for letting us sign that contract for her to get married. I need to talk to you. She's already pregnant. She is what? I think I've labored that long enough. But these were humans just like us. These were parents just like us with children just like us. Joseph, could he have gotten angry? Could he have gotten prideful? My reputation is on the line. 
they're going to find out that you're already pregnant and we're not consummating the marriage yet and I'm somebody here in this town. He could have been all those things, but notice what it said. Joseph, before they came together, was willing, because he was a righteous man, to not disgrace her. Joseph was such a godly man. He wasn't worried about his reputation. He was worried about Mary's reputation. If you're here tonight as a young lady and you haven't got a spouse yet and you're praying for just the right man, you look for a Joseph that'll care more about you and your reputation than he does his own. Joseph had to convince his mom and dad, but they find out that that's exactly what has happened. Now the rest of the society is going to find out. Mary starts showing that she's pregnant. You think there were any gossipers in that day? Probably. Yeah, I told you about them. I knew. I just knew something was going to happen there. I just knew uh, we were talking about the other day, and I know Joseph, and he, I know Mary. And... So Christmas was a tough time in a lot of ways. In this cast of characters that were chosen by God in this story, they went through probably a lot more than we can imagine. But it said, being a righteous man, not willing to disgrace her, planned to send her away. That word Greek is A-P-O-L-U-O. And it means to put away. We would say divorce. Actually, it would be called a divorce in that stage of marriage in a Jewish way. We would call it engagement. But that's not the way that the Jewish marriage was. And he said, I'll just go ahead and divorce her, put her away. She can go to some other place, have the baby, and we will spare her from a bad reputation. I preached a sermon several times throughout the last decades, and, and, and it was. So, Joseph, how was your Christmas? We could do the same thing. Mary, how was your Christmas? Mary's parents, how was your Christmas? Joseph's parents, how was your Christmas? Because this is a story that's never been written before. It's a story that's never been told before. No one else could say, when I went through that, this is what I did. And yet God has chosen this cast of characters for this wonderful story. And they're faithful to walk it as God wants them to. Verse 28, uh, 20. But when he had considered this, Joseph saying, I'll just do this. I'd rather do it now, stop it, so her reputation will not be in question. But when he considered this, do you think he had an emotional struggle going on inside of him? A tug of war pulling back and forth. But if I do this, this might happen. But if I don't, I'll, this might happen. And what a struggle that this young man had. But as God is so faithful to do, when we need God's answer, he's ready to give it. Please don't ever miss that. If you need God's answer, and you know him, and you love him, and you serve him, God's ready to give that answer. But when he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. There's five dreams in this story. This is number one. Four of them are going to be four dreams that Joseph has, and one of them is going to be a dream that the wise men have. God directs in these cast of characters through dreams. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Why didn't he say Joseph, son of Jacob? Because his daddy's name was Jacob. He goes all the way back and he says, Joseph, son of David. Because who was going to be the one who would have a king come and he would be on the throne of David and he would be an eternal king? That was the covenant that God made with David that the Messiah was going to come, sit on the Davidic throne, and he would rule forever. And I believe as the angel is telling Joseph that, he calls him a son of David. You're a good Jew. Something's going on here bigger than you and Jacob, your daddy, Joseph. You're a son of David. And this is the one that's going to sit on the throne of David and rule forever. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Notice something here. It says the child who has been conceived. Now, God is not mistaken. 
God is, he knows everything about science. He knows everything about anatomy. He knows everything about biology. He knows everything, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made, David says. God is the creator of all the molecules and all the microorganisms and things that we know nothing about. And the Bible says here, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child that is conceived in her. He doesn't say the fetus. He doesn't say an embryo. He doesn't say a, a zygote. He doesn't say a blob, a substance. He says the child. Psalm 139 teaches us that at the moment of conception, it's a child. Don't listen. And we as a church need to speak louder about that. We've cowed down and we've been, we've been so quiet and fearful we're going to offend somebody. We don't offend. The gospel offends. <coughs> and it says the child that's conceived in her. At the moment of conception, that's a child. The child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. How many of you had a gender reveal party for your little one or grandchild? Anybody have general, gen, gender reveals? Our kids came over, you did. Our kids came over and told us that they were going to have a child and they had pink and blue balloons. And I thought, that's not fair, you know. We actually didn't want to know, and they didn't know at that time. But when it came time for our grandson to be born, they had found out quite a while before, and we all got together with both sides of the family, and they had these little things that you twist, and they blow up, and blue confetti. Y'all probably saw it. It was way down in Mansfield, but, but y'all probably saw it here because there was so much blue confetti went up in the air, and we found out we were having a boy. I didn't care what it was. Uh, Holly's mom went to the doctor when she was pregnant with Holly, and the doctor said, you're having two. Now, both of our pregnancies, Holly and my, well, I wasn't pregnant, but both of the times that my wife was pregnant in our marriage, our doctor said, you're having twins both times. You think I wanted to fire him? <laughs> Holly's mother wanted us to have twins so badly because she had had twins and wanted us to experience that joy. And it would have been wonderful. But here's the first gender, gender reveal that I've ever seen. Look what it says. For the child who's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. No sonogram. No doctor. No ultrasound. You're going to have a baby. And you're going to have a boy. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold the virgin. And that's that word, Alma, A-L-M-A. Used six times in scripture, and it's never referred to uh, as a married woman. It's always to an unmarried woman. Behold the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. When you read that, some people say, well, why didn't they call him Emmanuel? Why didn't they call him Jesus? Emmanuel is his nature, and Jesus was his proper name. But they mean that God was among us. God would save. Uh, the virgin birth. If you come to join Denton Bible, you fill out a, a covenant agreement. The staff and the pastors fill out one for you and sign it that we will be to you what God's called us in the Scripture to be. And we ask the people to sign that covenant also. One of the things that you must believe, we believe every Christian must believe this, is in the virgin birth. Jesus was all God, but he was all man. And this is a prophecy back in Isaiah 7 about a literal king, King Ahaz, and a boy that was going to be born, kings that were going to be, die before a certain time. It was a prophecy of then, but it was also a prophecy of the Messiah to come for the scripture later on in the gospels tells us that this is what was taking place, what was recorded way back in Isaiah. So in a dream, Joseph gets what he needed. And I thought back over my life too, what I've had major questions and decisions that I needed to make. I'm thinking about one right now. And I ask probably many of you in this room, please pray for me and my family. And I sought the elders and the pastors of the church, and I sought my friends from, from years back that, that were believers. And I, 
I begged and I begged for an answer. God has always come through. He's always guided and given direction. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That's like a referee that calls the, the call. This is right, this is wrong. And that's what God does. He guides us through his word. He guides us in our heart. He guides us by his spirit. There's many things he'll let us do because we ask. That's an amazing God. But many, many things we need his guidance. What should I do? And Joseph sure needed it. What should I do in this circumstance? And when he got his answer in that dream, don't be afraid to take her as your wife because something special is happening. She's going to be the mother of the Son of God. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, took Mary as his wife, but he kept her a virgin. Did you catch that, men? For a year. Did not touch her inappropriately. Was not unfaithful, unfaithful with infidelity for a year. Kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Cast of characters. Mary and Joseph, their parents are involved. Angels have shown up. A moment in history that God said, I'm going to change everything. And when we come to Christmas season, it's a time. It's a time to reflect on that story. And when my little grandson was just a few months old, we sat in front of the fireplace of his home, and he was just a little boy, and we, I held him in my arms, and I read the Christmas story to him. And Probably the only time he's ever been still in his life. The only time he reached up and wanted me to hold his hand, so I held his hand. I can show you the video. You want to see pictures? I can do it. No, no. It reached up and held his hand, and I read the story, the Christmas story to him. I want to do that to all of our family. And uh, I just said, uh, you've, made, uh, you've made us so happy, and we're excited for you, little Luca. I want you to know that we love you, and we say Merry Christmas. And right when he said that, this little few-month-old little baby just smiled as big as you could smile. Now, he's a toot now. He's almost three years old, and that little sin nature showed up a few times at our house. But we love him. And our joy and our hope is for Jesus. One day, I asked little Luke, say, Jesus, the other day, he said, Jesus. I said, put your hands there together. We're going to pray. So we did this, and I started praying, and he's looking at me like this. Oh, sweet times. I know that you've experienced those. Joseph and Mary were the real deal. They were the chosen ones, and they did it well. We all have a picture of the manger, don't we? Who was at the manger? We've got donkeys, and we've got camels, and we've got cows, and we've got sheep. Fess up. How many of y'all been in one of those angels in a church play? I mean, one of those uh, animals in the church play, right? What were you? You were a shepherd. You look like a shepherd. What else? Anybody? Somebody's got to be the donkey. Come on. Anybody? Sheep, cows. Anybody an angel? Somebody was an angel, surely an angel. Why? Oh, you were an angel? Did you have a halo and white robe? You look like an angel, Elijah, you really do. Was anybody Mary? Oh, we got a Mary. You are a Mary, that fit. And that was pretty good. Joseph, anybody? Anybody was a Joseph? Those are fun, fun times as we think back about that time. But who comes to the manger? Shepherds do and wise men do. We... That might not have been exactly the way it happens. Let's look a little bit closer. In chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, this is sometime after. We don't know how long it is. Luke is the one that tells us about the shepherds. And isn't that amazing? God shows, first of all, to common shepherds, when I was blessed to go to Jerusalem, and I was in the bus, they said, look out here on the hillside. And there was a shepherd out there with his sheep, just like there was thousands of years ago leading those sheep up the hillside. God chose to reveal the Messiah born to the common people. He didn't go to the king in the palace and say, you're first. You got more money, you got more education, you're more important, you're more popular, you're more famous. He went to some old shepherds out there in the, in the land, taking care of some sheep, and said, no, you get to hear about the Messiah. 
This is about the other ones. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, they're called the Magi or the, the wise ones. How many wise men were there? Have it recorded forever in posterity on, on the record. How many were there? We don't know. Why do we think there were three? Three gifts. Somebody might have brought two gifts and somebody might not have brought one. We don't know. There could have been a lot more. It could have been an entourage coming. They were wise people from an eastern land east of Israel. We don't know exactly where they came from. They were people that watched the stars. They were people probably that were very intelligent and studious. They wanted to investigate. But somehow there was something happening with this group of people that drew them and they wanted to come find out. I think it would have been very common in the nations around Israel because of an oral tradition that had been passed down a long time that there's one coming who's going to rule the world. There's a Jew coming one day who's going to rule the world. Messiah is going to come. That probably was a story that nations around uh, Israel would have known and heard about. So it says they came uh, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. In the other uh, part of the scripture, it says they came to the house. Uh, this is not the manger. Uh, we kind of plugged them into the manger with the shepherds and the donkeys and the sheep and everything else. But evidently, Mary and Joseph are staying for the days of her purification. There's a lot in this passage. They're, they're, they're certainly staying for his dedication in the temple eight days after his birth, but even longer after that, and probably about six months in Bethlehem, probably with some relatives that were there. We don't know how long. We don't know how many kings there were. We call them kings, but they are not actually necessarily kings. They came to the house where Jesus was, and it says in the, the days of Herod the king, there's another guy in our story. I've alluded to him already and told you a little bit about him, but Herod is the one who has control, he thinks, over the Jews. Now, if you were the king, would you want someone to come and take your place? You want to be challenged by someone else. Now, that would be a threat to you, wouldn't it? So you don't want any other king of the Jews. And it says, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, I can just see the blood go up into Herod's face when they said that. What do you mean? Somebody's going to be born the king of the I'm the king of the Jews. Think about that for a minute. Have you ever been looked over for something or someone else got the credit for something you did? That happened to me not long ago. And somebody that's very important that I love greatly uh, gave credit for something God had let me do to someone else. And I just sat there. I didn't didn't need to correct him anything. But what does it make you feel like on the inside a little bit? Uh, you know, uh, that I was the one that did that. We don't need to do that. God knows. But here, what would it be like if you were the man in charge, the woman in charge, and these guys come from a long journey, a long ways away, and said, hey, we've heard the king of the Jews is coming, and he's going to be born as a little baby. And he's going to be that king that's going to be the king forever. And you're the king. Notice what it says. For we saw his star. It doesn't say we saw a star. We saw a group of stars. Right now, science and, and uh, the technology that we have is so advanced uh, compared to the past, I believe, in many ways. I'm not too sure ancient people didn't have some technology we don't have and it's been lost. But... They said, we saw his star. Something different about this star than the rest of them. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. This king was going to be one that was going to be worthy to be bowed down to. Not just politically or militarily because he had the biggest army, but he was going to be worthy of worship. He was going to be a, not a literal king only, but he was going to be a spiritual king. And these guys said, we've come. He's going to be born here. We've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. I've uh, read that for many years, and I thought, why would Jerusalem be troubled? Some of you probably uh, could name it a lot of different ways, but it's kind of like, have you ever heard the statement, 
happy wife, happy life. You ever heard that? Is there any young men here not married, but you want to be married? Can I talk to you? Okay, right over here. Thank you. Can I talk to you after the service in just a minute? I want to tell you how true that is. It is good to have a happy wife because things are better around home. And we're joking. Uh, we need some happy husbands too. Would you agree? Aaron, I know what you did. We're joking, but she's saying, no, not really. That's the truth. It's a... But it says all Jerusalem was troubled with him. They probably thought, uh-oh, if Herod's mad, we're going to pay for it. They would pay for it politically. They would pay for it militarily. They would pay for it economically. He would oppress them. He would harm them in some way. And so not only what we're going to read about in a moment, but all Jerusalem was troubled with him. If the king's upset, the whole city's upset. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, all Jerusalem with him, gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes. There's some more people in the story. When I close here in a few moments, there are going to be three different types of, types of people that heard about Jesus. And I think it is perfectly in alignment with the people today that hear about Jesus. Three different responses. See if you can catch what they are. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. That tells us that Herod doesn't know his Bible. He had to go get some boys that had been to Jewish uh, Bible school and go look it up in your book and find out where the Messiah was to be born. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. That was a little bitty town, not known for hardly anything. And the prophecy about Bethlehem is God's going to use something little and make something big out of it. I was taught a long time ago, how do you know whether something's Little or big until you and God get through living it. Have there not been some little things in your life that turned out to be big? I had a phone call hmm, 15 years ago. Simple phone call. Changed my life. So sometimes a little with the Lord is a lot. And the scripture here says this little bitty place called Bethlehem, you're going to be uh, not the least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Jesus is the only one that ever lived that could fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah. You know, there, there were 330 different prophecies about the Messiah that would have to be fulfilled from the Old Testament for someone to, to claim to be the Messiah. 330. No one ever got close to fulfilling those except Jesus. And to this day, you cannot find one of those prophecies that Jesus was not the perfect fulfillment of exactly what God said, the one to come. Then Herod secretly called the Magi, determined from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Can a politician lie? You go find him because I want to worship him too. False. <laughs> After hearing the king, they went their way and the star which they'd seen in the east went on before them until it came, uh, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. It's interesting that there was light in a dark world. Isaiah 8 and 9 tells us the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. The other day, we were gathered together as our staff. And I say this so, not out of confidence, but I say it so that you can pray. And some of the people that work with our youth were asked, what are some of the major struggles that our young people are going through? And uh, different ones that work with our 18 to 24-year-olds, they said they're all struggling with depression. Anxiety and depression. Now, they have more than any generation before them. They have more information than any generation before them. Most of them have more money than our parents had, our whole families had when we were growing up. Most of them have more opportunities given to them, less responsibilities, not all, 
but most of them have, more than the society has given generations before. Now, I do want to say, and I've said it again, I believe our young people and young adults are so important. Uh, I love them. I love you that are here tonight. You are the future of the church, and I don't want people talking bad about you. Um, if somebody ever gives you a hard time about the way you were raised, just point at them and say, you're the ones that raised us. But they said they're struggling with depression. I would uh, lose a basketball game and it would bother me for about 30 minutes. And then I was thinking about something else. I, I was past that. I didn't have panic attacks and anxiety and depression. I had bad things happen in my life. Did you? I bet you did. So we need to be very aware that just like you and I as adults or even grandparents age, we have struggles we have to deal with. These young adults today are dealing with much. Our kids are dealing with much today. And it looks like a dark world. But over that dark manger, I literally believe God has sent a star like none other. There was light above the darkness. Jesus is the light that has come into the world that all men can be saved. There's light that's above the darkness. Did you know if I asked him to turn all the lights off here tonight, it would be what a movie a long time ago I watched called Serious Dark. Because I've been in this room in the last one and I turned the lights out. And I don't mean it's just a little bit dark. It's serious dark in here. But did you know that you could, you could strike the smallest match and the darkness is not stronger than that light. The smallest little light would show up because light dispels darkness. Darkness doesn't dispel light. Light dispels darkness. Parallelism in Hebrew study was light and dark many times. And Jesus is the light that's coming to the world. And if you're here tonight and you struggle with panic attacks or anxiety or, or depression, I want to tell you there is hope. Because there's somebody that can turn the light on in the darkness of what you're going through. And that's what Christmas is all about. Well, those are Sunday school words. I love Sunday school words. That's where they taught me about Jesus. Sunday school teacher one time was teaching this. Remember this? Here's the church. Kids, if y'all haven't learned this, you got to learn it. You got to teach it. Here's the church and here's the steeple. Open the doors and, oh, where are the people? And then you do it the other way. Here's the church and here's the steeple and open the door and there's all the people. She was going to teach them about how important the church was and how every member of the church was. So she said, I want you to put your hands together. And right as this Sunday school teacher was teaching this to these little children, she looked over there and there was a boy that only had one arm. You talk about a teacher having an object lesson and hadn't thought it through. And right before... All the other kids put their hands together and did that little steeple thing. The girl next to that boy said, here, let's build a church together. Isn't that cool? And so they did. And that's what church is about. We're supposed to be letting Christ use us to build his church together. There's light that's stronger than darkness. That's why the toughest things you might be going through right now, don't let it rob you of Christmas. I'm not talking about money, presents, and what we can get. We've already gotten the greatest gift ever. His name's Jesus. So there's quite a cast of characters. These wise men go back another way. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell to the ground. And who does it say? They worshiped. Does it say they worshiped Mary? Does it say they worshiped Joseph? Say they worshiped the cow? There's some starving countries that worship cows, and the cows get to walk all around them and they don't eat them. It says they worshiped him, they worshiped the baby. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some have said that gold is for his royalty, frankincense for his deity, and myrrh for his humanity. Myrrh was, uh, frankincense and myrrh are types of perfumes. A frankincense was a kind of a joyful type of perfume, perfume that would be given in some 
ceremonies, and it was a good-smelling one. Myrrh was, was used as a perfume also, but a lot of times it was mixed with something, and it was given to someone that was dying. It had a remembrance of death. Now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in his dream. That's his third dream, and said, get up. Is there a time, Christian, that we need to lay down and rest? Is there a time, Christian, when God said, get up? I think we as a church need to get up right now. And we need to rise up and we need to love people like Christ did, but we need to stand firm on the truth of God's word. We need to say like the, the man of old, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what the media says. Could you believe what happened to Tommy this week? Do you read that in Newsweek magazine? Could you, do you read that? Oh, folks. Mistakes can happen. And sometimes they're not mistakes. We need to be faithful. We need to get up. We need to obey the Lord. We need to trust him. He's bigger. He's stronger. And we need to be, need to be bold for Christ. The righteous are as bold as a lion. But the wicked flee when no one pursues. It's a time to be bold for Christ right now. Joseph got up and took the child. Whoops, he said, get up, take the child, his mother, flee to Egypt. Remain there till I tell you, for Herod's going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while it was still light, left her Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I've called my son. God is always working his will so his word will, will be fulfilled. He's like a grand conductor. In all of our lives, he's orchestrating our lives to come out just like he wrote it in the Bible. I love that. How much does Christmas cost? Has anybody ever been bold enough to come out? How much did you pay for Christmas this year? Did you tell them, it's none of your business? Well, Christmas cost a lot. Look what it says in verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged. And he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under. Does that remind you of anything? Moses, Pharaoh. If there's a boy born to those Hebrew women, you midwives, you throw it in the Nile. All of them two years old and below. According to the time which he had determined from the Magi, then what had been spoken through Jeremiah, the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. Christmas cost a lot. There was a price paid. But I'm about to close. I want you to think about just a couple things. Jesus was just born, but Herod said, let's make sure in case the Wise men got the time wrong. You just kill all the baby boys two years old and down. Can you imagine the heartbreak, the pain, the suffering? I can't. I can't even fathom that. That's evil. And we're living in an evil world. If someone's questioning about Jesus, just think about how evil this world is. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be saved from that? That's what Jesus offers. Herod was cruel. He uh, was jealous, suspicious. He was afraid of his position and power. He, here's some of the things he did real quick. He had uh, his potential threat, the high priest Aristobulus, who was his, his wife's brother. He had him drowned. Um, then he went to the funeral and pretended to cry like he was sad. He's the one that had it done. He had his wife killed, then had two of his sons killed five days before his death. Uh, he had another third son uh, executed. He did, the story just goes on and on and on. He was so afraid, he was so hated by the people that he was so afraid that when he died as the king, nobody would mourn. So he killed, a, he had orders to kill a lot of prominent Jewish men the day he died so that there would be mourning throughout the land of Jerusalem just so there'd be a time of mourning because no one would mourn for him. Herod was a bad guy. But in verse 19, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared. That's the fourth dream to Joseph. Get up and take this child. He goes and he finds out that his son's reigning. God gives him another dream. 
tells him, you can go back to Nazareth now. He shall be called Nazarene. God fulfills his word. So here's the cast. Herod, the angels that spoke to Joseph in the dreams and to the, to the wise men. Mary, chosen young woman. She had kept herself pure. She was faithful. And God chose her to be the mother of the Messiah. Joseph, a righteous man, the Bible says, who did well. The Holy Spirit's there. He's the one that overshadowed Mary and she was able to conceive. The Magi, the wise men came searching. The chief priests and scribes were there. The little Jewish babies that were murdered. Satan was there. Herod's son, Archelaus. God's people in all Jerusalem were there. That's the cast of, of, of characters that we read about. Large cast. Told a story at a moment in time of history, change history forever. But there's somebody I haven't mentioned that's in the Christmas story too. And that's you and me. For God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever, that's you and me, believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting, eternal, forever life. Will you receive that gift? You and I are in the cast of characters too. Because Jesus said, yes, Father, I'll go to the world, to the earth. I'll die on a cruel cross. I'll be born as a baby and grow up like a baby and a child. And I'll go through all that you asked me to so that those that will call upon you can be saved. Three responses to Jesus' story. The first one's Herod, and he hated the message of Christmas. He rejected God. He wants to hurt and kill. And I'm sorry to tell you, but it's true. There's many people with that same uh, response today. They are anti-Christ. They are anti-Bible. They are anti-us. Don't stop praying for them because there could be a Saul on the road to Damascus, right? But that's one response. The second response, the chief priests and the scribes, they appear at this moment to be indifferent. They don't do anything in this story. And that's people that hear about Jesus. They even might go to church sometime, but they don't let him change their life. They don't believe in him, trust in him, and they don't let him dramatically change their circumstances. They just say, hmm, Oh, please don't be like that tonight. Because there's a third group that, that when they heard about the one coming, they took a long journey and sought for him. And they inquired diligently. And they asked and they studied and they sought him. Jesus said, everyone that seeks me will find. And that's those wise men. Wise men at the birth of Jesus sought him. Wise men still seek him. And I pray that that's everybody in this room here tonight. But you may have somebody at your Christmas table, maybe an aunt, an uncle, a brother, sister, cousin, could be children, grandchildren, whoever it may be, that might be like one of those others. You pray for them that this Christmas, the light, which is stronger than any darkness, would win that battle and that they might come to know Jesus. The cast of characters, at the end of a movie, they roll the credits. We've just rolled the credits of the Christmas story. Where are you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for using Matthew in this case to write these things down so that we have the story of what happened on that wonderful night. I thank you for Mary and Joseph who, Lord, must have been so confused and they didn't understand. Lord, what in the world is going on? But they, they trusted you and obeyed you. And when you, when you told Joseph what to do through dreams, he just got up and did it. I'm sorry, Lord, for the little babies that were killed. And I'm sorry that your son Jesus was killed. 
but I'm thank I'm thank you, Lord, and I'm grateful that He died in my place. And all you ask of me is to believe, to trust, receive, and to obey. So, Lord, I pray for the young people I talked about that are suffering with anxiety and depression. Would you turn the light on for them? Would you let the light of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, the, the power of Christmas set them free? Would you let all the generations, from young people all the way up to the oldest, Lord, would you let us have the common bond of we're Christians, we're family, because God has made us that way. And Lord, we saw how the story began in Bethlehem, but it's not over yet. You're still writing that story. So if there's someone here tonight that you knew would be in these doors, you knew they would be here on this very night, and Lord, you're dealing with them. You're tugging on their heart. You're, you're calling them, drawing them to say yes to Jesus. Oh, Lord, would you let that happen tonight? There are people here that will talk with you. If you're ready to do that, you find us, and it'd be our privilege. Father, we thank you that light is stronger than darkness. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray.